0: This is a Broadway show, Uncut, and it is a big one. Coming up in just a few, we're talking about the hit musical, Some Like It Hot, with the show's powerhouse songwriting duo. You're gonna love it. But first we're giving thanks for the Thanksgiving play. It's a new comedy satire from Native American playwright, Larissa Fasthorse. In fact, she's now the first Native American female to have a play produced on Broadway. I sat down with one of the stars of the Thanksgiving play, Scott Foley. Okay, you got some things going on back on Broadway. Back on Broadway, Di- different way. Back on Broadway, yeah. How's it
1: feeling? It feels good. You know, my first uh, Broadway experience and my last Broadway experience was 20 years ago with The Violet Hour, mm-hmm. uh, um, which was a great experience for me. I met my wife doing yes. that show. Yes, um, we now have three kids. But this is a um, this is a different kind of play for me. It's uh, with Second Stage at the Helen Hayes Theater. It's called The Thanksgiving Play, um, and it's a uh, it's it's a crazy show. I have to say, I'm going to be very honest here whether you like it or not. Uh, When I first read the script, I hated it.
0: (laughs) Okay, it's okay. Hated it. Thank goodness for honesty.
1: Um, And my agent said, read it again, maybe you'll like it more. And I gave it to my wife and she read it and came downstairs and she said, it's the funniest thing I've ever read.
0: Oh, wow, okay. And that's That's... what I
1: said. I said, oh, wow, really? Yeah. And so I read it again with, Uh, tried to have a new perspective on it. And look, the play is about four well-intentioned people trying to uh, devise a historically accurate uh, Thanksgiving play for elementary school kids. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's a difficult task in this climate, and that's sort of what they're wrestling with.
0: Do you think you were worried because it was um do you think you're worried because you just weren't sure how people would react to it? Or do you think it yeah. was just like, is yeah. this going
1: to be okay? Well, I was worried because the, the climate we live in, you have yeah. to be, um, you have to listen a lot and keep your mouth closed a lot. And this play is about characters who feel that they've listened a lot and done the work and don't keep their mouths closed. Sure. And it's, um, it's scary. Yeah, And no. I was scared by it
0: yeah, scared that that becomes you. people think that's you.
1: people think that's me. People um, the, the, is what the play is saying okay to say. Mm-hmm. can mm-hmm. can we do that? is Is the character I'm playing um a bad guy for trying to do the right thing, even though he might not be doing the right thing or might not be doing things the right way? I don't know, these are questions I don't have answers to. I don't know if anyone has answers to, but I'm, I'm willing to give it a shot. You know, our playwright, uh, Larissa Fasthorse will be the, we think, the uh, first female Native American to have a play produced on Broadway, which is um, very important and a mm-hmm. big deal. Um, so I, I have to put a semblance of trust in her expertise when it comes to uh, Native American, the, the topic and the history of, uh, but I don't know I don't know
0: I I think it's it's admirable though that you know you can be so honest with yourself about about that and be so honest with with everybody about it because I'm sure that people are gonna sit there and there are gonna be moments that the audience is equally uncomfortable and not sure how to react
1: yeah it's uh, there are some extremely uncomfortable moments and and uh, the play ends in such a way that uh, you know as an actor I'm you know when the plays done everyone claps and stands and (laughs) I'm not sure that's gonna happen here. Oh, okay. uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll see. It's, um, you know, it touches on a lot of
2: yeah.
1: hot, sensitive, sure. um, sometimes taboo subjects, and, and I think it's important to do so, uh, and to bring it up, and to start a conversation. Um, if it's, if this is the right way to do it, if this is the right angle to take, I don't know. But as an artist, I know that the feeling of fear that I have when um, thinking about a job or a performance is usually something that I want to explore deeper and uh, and that's why I'm doing it.
0: I respect that though because that's not the easy way out.
1: No man, it's not, the easy, not the easy way out. It's not the
0: easy way out. You in and you're you're experienced enough, gravitas enough to be able to take the easy way out if you want to. You could I, go find a sitcom, you could go you. find another, you know, you you could take the easy way out.
1: Yeah. Yeah, the, I could take the way out that pays my bills instead sure. of doing Broadway. <laughs> <Sure>. um, <laughs> um, but you're right, and, and I, um, you know, I think there's uh, an, an honor or a uh, respectability to, to facing your fears and, mm-hmm. and giving it a shot, and I hope that's, um, hope that what I'm doing is somewhat honorable. We'll see.
0: Well, I'm excited to see it, and I, I think it you know it's getting a lot of uh, talk, and we'll see what what the reaction is. But anything, I think anything you're a little afraid of is the right way to go. I think so. And that, and that's a weird thing to say. You know, I we're we're around the same age, um, and I just think that through the years I've learned that that's what I have to gravitate toward the things that that scare me a little bit.
1: Yeah, I think that's the only way for growth to happen. Yeah. You know, to push through whatever envelope is blocking you, and and. Um... I don't know, man. We'll see what happens with this play. I'm excited about it. You know, uh, uh, the deeper we get into rehearsals, yeah. the more I understand the idea and the feeling behind it, um, and the more I accept it. There were times, um, if I'm still being honest with you, where I called my wife and said, I don't know if I'm gonna come back tomorrow. Wow. It's uh, real. It's real, and it's, it's there's a lot of um, coming to terms and facing painful parts of history in this country Mm -hmm. and um, and look if I'm putting it all out there as a straight white male I have very little to uh, say and a lot to hear Mm -hmm. and I'm doing my best to try to do that. I don't know if it's the right thing.
0: Do you think you've learned a lot about yourself in this?
1: I do think I've learned a lot about myself in this and maybe not in the way I expected Um, but but I, I've learned that I am uh, more sensitive to uh, a lot of the things that people say than I like to think I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I've learned that that it's okay to not know. Um, yeah. For me, there's always been an embarrassment, somewhat, in, and maybe that's not the way it should be in saying like, I don't know, I don't, I don't understand that. I feel like I need to know everything. I'm a dad, you know, I um, I like to fix things and solve problems and that's what I feel I do and and when there's something that I don't understand or don't know it 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 can make me feel uncomfortable but I'm learning to live with that discomfort and uh, and hopefully putting that into, into this play.
0: I think conversations out there that we, we are having now make everybody feel like that. I think everybody feels like they don't know what it's they thought what man. they thought they did 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, Broadway. Something in your gut that always makes you makes you come back, I guess. Yeah. What is it? What is it? Is it the it live 12-year-old
1: Scott Foley yeah. having a tape recorder in my room and I recorded the song on Broadway. I always wanted to be an actor and yeah. I would sit there for hours and play it again, and again, and again, and again, and again, and it's been a dream of mine. You know, this is, if you're, most of us started out in the theater doing high school or community mm-hmm. theater, and, and Broadway is the pinnacle of that. And to be so fortunate to find my way back here, I'll do it forever. I mean, I'll have to sell my house, but I'll do it forever.
0: <laughs> I'm taking another job at the same time. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah.
1: I'm delivering a pizza, but, but it's fun.
0: But I'll be there in spirit, and that's I can right. sing. Um, you that? Oh yeah, that's fine.
1: It's fine. Is it in the show? No, it's
0: fine.
1: <gasps> great, great, great
0: <laughs> From your first job, what was your first job, by the way?
1: My first ever professional acting no, job.
0: No, no, your first like fun job where you said, "Oh God, I got to do this," but then eventually I'm going to get to New York. Oh man, I, mean, I, I did. I scooped ice cream. That's what did I did. Did you really? Yeah, I was a, I was a soda jerk. Are you allowed to say? I mean, That's what I was. Yeah, I scooped ice cream. I don't know, know if you cream. can say that anymore. I don't, I don't know. know what's appropriate. I don't know, but well, I felt like a jerk. I, I uh, <laughs> scooped ice cream. That's what I did. Where? In um, Houston, Texas.
1: And what was the name of the place? Missouri
0: City, Texas, actually, where Matthew McConaughey is from. Isn't that really? crazy? Yeah, Missouri City, Texas, that's where. The name of the place was Oscar's Back Porch. And it had a retro little van out front, and I would scoop the ice. All the cool kids would come and order ice cream, and I'd be behind there with the hat on, and I'd scoop
1: ice cream. My first job was also scooping ice cream?
0: No, it was not. It
1: was. At no, it was not. in St. Louis, Missouri, not Missouri City, Texas. Mine was Missouri
0: City, Texas. Yeah. Oh, my God. Look at us. Look at us now.
1: Here we are. <laughs> I In don't think I've ever
0: heard another ice cream scooper.
1: Yeah man, uh, yeah. the worst Birthday part about parties, it for me. Birthday parties,
0: I had to make the waffle cones. Oh I
1: made waffle cones. Yeah. The worst part about it for me was not, I mean scooping can be hard, but you know they've got the water you dip yeah, and yeah, you yeah. do that, the worst part was Uh, When the shift was over, we had to break down and clean the frozen yogurt machine and the the seals that you have to take off and lube up and then put back on and the smell (laughs) from frozen yogurt. The the dairy smell. Awful.
0: It's awful. I don't even drink milk now. Oh, I don't either. Really? No. I don't go near it. It's disgusting to me. Um, Okay, well, (laughs) that's great. I like that. Yeah, Oscar's back porch. I always thought they were going to franchise. They never did. They went out of
1: business. Was the ice cream Um, good?
0: It was really good. Yeah, oh. it was really good. it was, Well, Texas had all Bluebell ice cream. That was like their thing. was the way and so to that's go. That's what it's it was. was Bluebell ice cream. Yeah, so it's real.
1: So Oscar's ice. Back Porch Oscars didn't make their porch. own, they bought Bluebell nope. and sold They bought
0: Bluebell in the big, you know. Right. Popped it. Yeah, they want. I mean, that there's something advanced. respectful it. It was like there, a dude in a retro van. Yeah, you know, he's like, you know, I don't Oscar. even know if he Oscar. <laughs> I, don't I don't know Oscar's real streak. And lived in the. I don't know what happened. He there, loved Bluebell. It's, it's okay. He liked Bluebell. Um, so you're back. You have, you know, for, when you were on Broadway before, you were, you know, not with the wife. Your wife. I was now not. Now you've got your wife, three children, yep. family life. How yep. is that?
1: It's great. man. Does it change I'm, I'm, you
0: as a dad? Absolutely.
1: I. I uh, it is my. You know, I have become. I think what I do, uh, by nature, you have to uh, have a selfish streak. Mm-hmm. Um, but being a father and a husband has, um, allows me to put that streak aside, well, 99 percent of the time yeah. right now, and I am at their service all the time, and it's, uh, it is the greatest joy of my life. I, I you know, I, I'll rap rehearsal at midnight, get home at midnight, but still wake up at five thirty, six o'clock to walk my daughter to the bus stop, because that's our time. That's all I get. and I'm. Uh, I wouldn't change it, uh, it's, the ba- I mean, I'm gonna cry, it's the best thing in the world. My kids. My kid woke up with a, a bloody nose this morning, I was like, no, Aww. ah, what can I do? You know, Aww. you just, it's, they're everything.
0: It is, isn't it interesting how life changes over the years? You know, you could be selfish in one way, you can still find the time for yourself selfish yeah. 30 years later, but it's a, it's a different kind of selfish. You manage to get it all in.
1: Well, my selfish now is them. Yeah, you know, the time. The, the time I get, the time I have, I wanna spend with them.
0: What do you wanna do uh, outside of Broadway? Do you wanna go back to TV? Do people still run, you know, scream at you down the street? Scandal, <laughs> scandal's never gonna go away. <laughs> no one screams scandal's at me never anymore. gonna go. <laughs>
1: uh, and I'm okay with that. Well, they will. <laughs> uh, no, please God, no. Um, I, I uh, you know, I'm really fortunate that I've, I've had the career that I've had up to this point, and I, I God, my wife and I uh, just talk about it all the time, how lucky we are. Um, I'm open, I'm, I'm currently uh, on hiatus from a show called The Girls on the Bus, which is a, an HBO Max show coming out in uh, May, um, that uh, Greg Berlanti and Julie Plec and Rena Mamoon are producing, and I play a, a, a presidential candidate. Um, but I love television, it's how I make my living. It's, mm-hmm. it's um, if, if theater's my first love, uh, we were talking about this before, uh, television is my second wife. It's my favorite thing in the world.
2: That's
0: okay. Yeah, is it, it, I feel like if you're doing a little bit of everything, do you feel like that grows the other part of you? Does TV help grow Broadway, or is, is there just a division between the two? No, episodes? it
1: absolutely does. How I so? mean,
0: because you have all TV people. I, we have all TV stage, people yeah. for the
1: most part, with the exception of Katie Finnern, who's mm-hmm. a, a two-time Tony winner. Yep. Um, You know, for me, doing theater, it, it 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 puts a magnifying glass on on the flame of of preparation and character and story, and it it the time that we have in theater, the rehearsal period, which in, in this case is almost a month long mm-hmm. to break down every line, to talk about the intention behind it, to think about um, everything from smell, sound, location, you know, everything that goes into building a character and telling a story on stage completely benefits what I do in television. Uh, I just have to, in television, I just have to, you know, make, it, m- make that month process, you know, two days long. Right. Um, and, and it's, uh, a- and vice versa. Because I'm able to, so quickly in television, come up with a character and distill a script and story and, and, and dialogue into some, a performance on screen, I can, that actually helps me in theater because I can, I'm nice. pretty quick at yep. getting it down, you know? Um, so I, I, I benefit from both.
0: The overlap is definitely there. Yeah. Um, so I want to ask you this question because there's a lot of talk about age recently. I'm 52. Oh, I'm full 50. Di- full disclosure. Oh, congr- oh, happy 50. Thank you very wow. much. Wow, this year. This is. Uh, this, year. I was.
1: I turned 50 okay. last July. How was
0: it? Were you scared of it? I. I, I uh, felt different than I thought I was going to.
1: Me too. I <clears throat> 40 was not a big deal for me. No, 45 me was not a problem. No. 50 was tough. Yeah. Yeah. Really? I don't know why. I I think, you know, my reading glasses they're holding over there.
0: Oh, I have them everywhere.
1: Uh, Yeah, me too! Yeah,
0: everywhere. Costco
1: packs (laughs) hidden around the house. Um, Yeah, and I don't know what it is because I feel the same. I don't feel any older or different. Yeah, but there is... um, I think, I think as a kid I always used 50 as old and it stuck with me and my wife at this point is like, you gotta stop saying that. You're not old. You gotta stop it. But it's a milestone, and I'm I'm still coming to terms with it.
0: I feel well. I'm going to tell you two years later. That I feel like I'm seeing a lot of conversation though that 50 is like kind of uh, and you know next and next and next people are living really a long time. Like they are, they really are, and it feels different. And I feel like there's a lot more um, being done out there to say, hey, that's not 50. Doesn't look like the two people on the bench with the cat petting the cat. You know.
1: All it it doesn't, but the weird thing is I like being on the bench petting the cat.
0: <laughs> well, you can still you know? <laughs> pet your cat on the bench. I mean, I'm not saying you can't, but the the images are different now, They right? are, they, they are. They don't look like this.
1: No, you're, you know, look, yeah. we're, we're much more active and present yeah. and, and alive uh, at this age than I think our predecessors were. But there still is, you know, there's a, a, a stigma, I think, yeah. when, when working or talking or dealing with younger people. Sure. When they sure. find out you're 50 with your 52 Scott. That's I don't know, it. I don't have a, you know, <laughs> if you, you feel like you don't have a lot to contribute to the I conversation.
0: Yeah I know, um, I know.
1: Uh, but What I'm,
0: music is that? that yeah. When did that come out?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> Where is that at?
1: Oh I love rap. Run DMC, it's my favorite. Like, they're like what? Run DMC, Who's yeah running? my Adidas. Like, what? Yeah, it doesn't work.
0: Well I'm so excited to have you back on Broadway. Thank you. It's great to talk to you and I love your honesty. It's nice.
1: It's gonna get me in trouble sometime.
0: It's okay, not here.
1: Good, I appreciate it, thanks for having me.
0: Thank you so much. So speaking of the Thanksgiving play, Scott Foley's on stage alongside fellow TV star, Darcy Carden. You've probably seen her in The Good Place, or Barry, and very recently in Mel Brooks' History of the World, part two. Now Darcy's about to make her Broadway debut, we gave her the mic for a few to talk about what it all means to her.
2: It is my Broadway debut. I'm really excited. It it was, um, when I read the play, I, it's so funny. Larissa is such a funny writer. She's so smart. Um, so it was, it was, it's the type of script where you're like laughing and then you're kind of like, oh no, why am I laughing? And then you sort of stop laughing and then that makes you laugh again. It's like, it's one of those. It's not just like, it's not just a straight comedy, even though it is so funny there's so much more going on. there's like one million layers to this play and maybe you'll get one of them or maybe you'll get a million of them live your life like however however it however this play hits you great but for me it was it really raised a lot of questions and it was something that I wanted to explore and then the next day I met with Rachel Chapkin the director and that just like sealed the deal. I mean I already knew who the cast was so that it was like, Every little box was being checked, yes, you know? Um, but I instantly fell in love with Rachel Chavkin upon meeting her. She's so wonderful and talented and cool. And um, it just, I i don't know. Like, at this point, at this moment in my life and career, I really just want to work with people that I like and that, like, inspire me. And and this is, all, all of these people are that. So it was, um, it was a pretty easy yes and and then when when I my husband and I were talking about it, should I do it? Should I not do it? Yes, no, yes, no. he was like, you're gonna do it and I was like, I'm gonna do it. And then I started really crying quite a bit because it kind of just hit me what this all you know this is like my life my life dream coming true.
0: Some Like It Hot is a Hollywood classic, but Broadway's new musical adaptation is about a whole lot more than just making jokes about guys in dresses. It's updated for a modern audience. It's absolutely hilarious. And the music? Well, it's pretty spectacular. Paul Wontorek talked to the Tony Award winning songwriting team behind Some Like It Hot, Mark Shaman and Scott Whitman.
3: I always love a Broadway season with a new shaman whitman show uh, although it, it's so, yeah, funny you guys are so iconic actually it's just mark and scott mark and scott oh, that's
4: cute yeah that's cool and and it's every seven years it's like locusts
3: that we have a show to <laughs> <laughs> some like a hop i've heard of it this is the this is a big title i mean this this is probably the biggest title you've i mean you've worked with some big titles before but this is this is pretty iconic Some like a hot it did become
5: a double dead sword because as much as it's such a beloved movie by certain generations, younger generations either don't really know it or took it uh, only in a bad way about what it was representing. So that was our challenge with the show. The second we got hooked up with it was how to deal with putting it in terms that make sense for a modern audience. Right, and the
4: really big baggage, <laughs> the big trunk, was that there already was a musical yeah. of Sugar, Sugar that yeah. Jules Stein wrote. Written by Julius Stein it, it, and Bob Merrill, two right, very, very talented, Stone. and it was a hit at the time. Yeah, it was a hit at the time. Yeah. But that was a, a literal a, a screen to stage, you
3: know, almost word right. for word. But that is odd to do a new musical version yeah. of something that's already been yes. The yes. only yes. thing
5: I, I, I'm The Wild Party, the fact that there were two musicals in the same season Yeah but otherwise yeah I don't think anyone has thought of how has there ever been a new musical something that's already been musicalized.
3: But Did we, you know Sugar?
4: I saw it. I, I'm saw old the enough original? to have
5: seen it. Yes yes. <laughs> and I'm young enough to not have
4: seen it. I, and Tony Roberts came to a, uh, a workshop of, of this for, of our version. It was totally uh, uh, it must, like, yeah, must like, it, was, it must have been like, yeah, he must have like, it must have like, like he was on mushrooms.
5: But he was
3: very sweet. Yeah, it's interesting though, because you get to see two talented theater artists and a whole and actors. It was a big show. Tackle something that you then tackled. But I'm assuming you're just sort of like. You don't reference what they're doing. you just sort of taking the, the material and running in your own direction.
4: Well, that it. had to do with Matthew Lopez. And really, I mean, Matthew had said, because we were, we were in London doing Mary, working on Mary Poppins mm-hmm. returns. returns, and then uh, it wasn't that long ago. So it was, uh, uh, and Matthew said, well, what if sugar is black? And what if it's, a di- if we, we address some of the different issues that are, you know, would make it, a, uh, some like it hot for now. And so right. that became intriguing, especially the idea that Sugar would not be a Marilyn on stage, which is near to impossible to do. And it opened up a whole vein of music of you know uh, Ella Fitzgerald, Lena Horne, Billie Holiday, and that's something that really appealed to us to write to, to yeah. that vocabulary.
3: I was going to say, you're very good at creating great Broadway scores that reference a lot of music styles. I mean, you've done that many times, obviously starting with Harris, but where you won your Tonys and all your all your fancy awards—that was bit, that was a big one. Uh, but so I was going to ask, like, what was the what was on the playlist this time? I mean, do you like to do that? Do you sort of like to immerse yourself in a sound? But that's
5: been our playlist our
4: whole yeah life. yeah yeah. And also because on Smash we had written a, right there was, a, there was a Some like a hot musical in Smash. It's crazy. So, yeah, yeah.
3: yeah the, the, I mean, the, that, that's a whole other element of this. So <laughs> yes. you did Smash, yes. which was all about Maryland. right? And about a Maryland musical. So you were already deeply immersed in Maryland, and then you created something like a hot musical without Maryland.
4: Yeah, it's also meta. <laughs> <Yeah>. It's so. <laughs> I know. It's, it, yeah, when you say it that, it's, way, a hall, it is it's practically a hall of mirrors. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I mean, maybe you got the Maryland part out of your systems, with yeah. smash. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for me, uh,
5: what was I, 13 when Bette Midler's Boogie Woogie Boogie Boy yeah. was on the radio? And that to me opened up the world of swing music and the music of the 30s and 40s at the same time there's great warner brothers came out with a 50th year album that had just you know all the music from the great warner brothers musicals mostly from the 30s and 40s and that began my love affair with that style of music my whole life i just love that stuff so like uh jimmy lunsford and Louis jordan and duke ellington Nine and Fats right, waller um, if i could just listen to one thing it would be just that uh, we
4: also moved the period. So in the, the movie takes place in sort of flappery 20s and we right. moved it. Matthew wanted to move it towards that so at the end of the show, the prohibition is over. Mm. So that also changes the vocabulary because there's, there's not a lot of Charlestons in mm-hmm. this. And so it was a different dance style for mm-hmm. Casey, everything. So uh, it, it made it a more interesting, it was just the beginning of what big bands were about to...
5: I mean, go. with everything, we tried to find a slightly different way to do it. And there already was a musical Sugar. So sometimes we would even say, Did Sugar do it this way? So let's go that way. Mm. Because otherwise, well, why are we doing this? So, you know, musically, and like Scott said, uh, when Craig and Neil first called us about it. Uh, Craig they, Zayden. They, and yeah, Limer. it was there. One of their ideas was, what if Sugar was black? Because at first we were like, no, I mean, who's going to go near some like it hot? It's, it's just... No, I mean, it, but when they said that, it really pricked our ears, uh, like, "Oh, yeah, and then you think of Billy Holiday on the bus with the band or Ella Fitzgerald, mm. or Lena Horn becoming you know the Hollywood star, and so that we've written that into the show that our sugar has gone to the movies as a child, and she wants to see someone up in the screen who looks like her, and that's her goal in going to California, so it was fun to. Find all these different ways,
3: and especially with the character of Daphne. Well, it really gives you a lot to chew on. It's so interesting what you said. Like just hearing one thing, what if Sugar would block suddenly? Opens yeah, up then your there mind. was a reason so to many, do it. That so that many different things, it. right?
4: Right. Because even in the Billy Wilder in the published script of the. Uh, of the movie it says the end and then says the world isn't ready for what happens next so it was it's an interesting it was an interesting way to think about doing it now is that they are ready actually because some of the the politics of the sexual politics of the movie are really far advanced Mm -hmm. underneath it underneath the you know the men in dress jokes and all of that Mm -hmm. so it it was it was an interest Matthew was sort of really a window into that and Casey as well because they didn't want it to be the movie they they, the movie was there and they wanted it to be this other entity.
3: I feel like some people talk about the original film as something regressive about uh, queer politics and other people say it's actually very bold. Yeah, yeah I mean for me
5: what we've done with the character of Daphne is all there in the movie but we just go further with it. Yeah. Daphne is really enjoying being a woman. And Daphne gets proposed to by a man and completely accepts and is giddy about it. Now, of course, in the movie it's, it's played for laughs, mm-hmm. but he never says, well, I can't marry a man because, you know, right. it's there. So we just let it blossom into what it might have been or even what Billy Wilder might have done if he was making a movie nowadays. Yeah,
4: Steven Spielberg came to the show a couple of weeks yeah. ago and and um, he, sa- he said to us privately, he said, because um, he was a very good friend of Billy Wilder's, and I, I said, do you think he would? He said he would have loved it. And so, that's, that meant that was a big, that's fantastic. yeah, that's a good yeah. review.
3: <laughs> Billy Wilder, man, I mean, he's, he's king. Yeah. I have to ask you. You know, there's a very famous line in the movie: "Nobody's perfect." That's how the movie ends. Was there ever a song called "Nobody's Perfect"? Yeah, I love how you've handled it in Mm, the show. It is it is handled musically in a really beautiful way. But was there ever just like a
5: never a song? Just
3: that idea of how (laughs) we've how because that's the
4: (laughs) punchline of the movie. So we we didn't we knew we had we knew we wanted to honor that, but but then turn it on its head. So yeah. so no, there wasn't a whole
3: song that was. It's clever, but it's, it's it's fun to I guess maybe. Play with people's expectations a little bit as well, right? I mean,
5: it was one of the great fears was like, are people going to be like, we can't believe you didn't use the most famous last line of a movie ever. <laughs> but we do. But we, yeah. you know, how we played with it, and no one has been running up the aisles saying, how dare you? So it seems like we
3: figured that it. out. Yeah. <laughs> you said you've been listening to this kind of music your, your whole lives. So, I mean, was it fun to write? I mean there's so many fantastic songs in this score. It was
4: great fun to write because the vocabulary of the time and all of that was great fun to write and also there was such a wealth of uh, inspiration you know when you Mm -hmm. go from Cole Porter to um, Harold Arlen that was sort of our love letter to that so. Mm -hmm.
5: And also was a time when there were white writers writing for black performers like Harold Arlen at the Cotton Club Harold Arlen and his lyricist Ted Kohler. Ted Kohler, right. You know, they wrote Stormy Weather. They always kept writing about the weather. Stormy weather, when the <laughs> sun <wind>. comes out, <laughs> ill wind. Um, so that's why we wrote the song Ride Out the Storm, is, yeah. is our salute to that. Yeah. And so the fact that there was a, a depressive Jewish guy writing these songs for fantastic black <laughs> performers, I was like, well, if the shoe fits. You know. <laughs> like, here I am.
3: <laughs> I feel like uh, Natasha Yvette, Williams must have been a big uh, find because she, you know, as Sweet Sue. Yeah, she's heaven. She, I, yeah. she has so, mu- so many amazing... Yeah, and when
5: we wrote that, it was, there was no race connected to it. We were just writing Sweet Sue. And then when it was finally time to have auditions for the actual Broadway version of it, we'd had readings and workshops. We had many different women come in of all shapes and sizes and colors, and that was great. And then Natasha came in and was like, That's her, and so we were able to fashion the character of Sweet Sue around Natasha, and uh, she is just the greatest. I mean, her voice, it's just a voice for the ages, but she's also so funny. funny. Her comic timing is impeccable, and she's so sweet offstage. You know, we have worked with many of the great divas. (laughs) And, you know, often to have that level of talent that Natasha has, it means there's going to be some baggage with it. And she doesn't have any of that. She's just the most kind-hearted, sweet person. Jennifer Lewis just said, stop talking about her. (laughs) Stop talking about Jennifer Lewis.
4: Believe me, she probably has this place bugged.
3: (laughs) You mentioned moving into the 30s and the prohibition sort of plot point. I, what I love about the this show is setting it at that time. It's during Prohibition, then it ends. Prohibition ends, and the, it's all they're very clearly sinners, right? It's a lot of like talk yeah. in those in the songs well, about
4: let's be bad. <laughs> yeah, all the bad. I
3: mean, let's be bad, which right. you which was a smash song that yeah. made it into the score, which was interesting. That was interesting. How did that come about? Well, it
4: has new lyrics, so... No, yeah, because yeah. Casey wanted a number. He said, can it be... We
5: had I mean, we had a number. Out. It was called the, the Good Neighbor we, Policy. We, he
4: said, can it be sexier, sexier? And then we came home, and I said, you know, we already wrote that song. I mean, we tried. <laughs> we went back there, and we
5: were like, okay, let's be naughty. Uh, well, Cole Porter already wrote, let's misbehave. Let's do it. Um, and then we were like... We, we wrote this, this We wrote this already. Song. And we, we already own it. And in Smash, it was... <laughs> in this kind of multiverse of, it was a song that Marilyn Monroe was singing while filming Some Like It Hot. Yeah, right. as so it
4: seemed it, to be okay to steal from that Yeah, song and we asked
5: thing. all of our yeah. collaborators, including people who were working on the play about a musical smash that's yeah. coming soon to Broadway. And everyone was like, we all agreed that like, what could be so horrible about two shows, *Knockwood*, running at the same time that have the same song in them, but are so different in, in their intent. In Some Like It Hot, it's a joyous song about, you know, just having a great night out. And in Smash, it's a woman having a nervous breakdown yeah. about just doing all the bad and wrong things just to. Uh,
4: and it's two separate sets of lyrics. Time. Yeah. yeah, I so, mean, there's yeah. a few. That I feel, that's, l- l- that's the same. Yeah, <laughs> it just happened,
5: and you know. Yeah.
3: But what what I was saying about the Prohibition thing is, because they're all sort of outsiders, they're, they're sort of operating outside of society in yes, a lot yeah, of ways, yes. right? Including the fact that they're partying during Prohibition. Right, right. I mean, but right. then it it also works really well for the Gender politics and for the, the racial dynamic of every right. I mean, yeah, it's, it's a, a gang
4: looking, it's a tribe looking, you know, they're a tribe and yeah. they're looking for something. A gang of misfits. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. that
5: was intentional. We they're definitely. uncovering
4: things about themselves, yeah. and so it, and, yeah. and whether that's through, uh, you know, glug, 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 or you yeah. know, sing, sing, sing. So, right. anyway, it comes to the end, for that. it comes to a good end.
3: Yeah, absolutely. 20 years ago, you two won a Tony Award. Hairspray. Did you know that was a 20, 20 year anniversary, Thank you for yes. and you um, not only made history for wedding a Tony, but you also had this very public you had a kiss on stage, right. which was a big moment for gay rights. I mean yeah. you're like queer pioneers here. I mean that's I that's, that's we amazing. we before
4: Miley and Madonna. I guess. Yeah, exactly.
3: <laughs> I remember it was a big deal. That, it, it was a it big, was a big, big deal. deal. You like grabbed his face.
5: Right. Yeah, I said something romantic and yeah, wonderful. Very romantic. And his natural inclination was to kiss me.
4: And 20 years later, we're with different partners. Yeah, so it's all worked <laughs> yeah, out. We broke up
5: <laughs> a year later. So that's that's irony for you. But um, we were. I mean, we we often say if we had just won a refrigerator on <laughs> The Price The is Price right. is Right. As a couple, we would have hugged and kissed. Yeah, It just was perfectly natural to us. But, oh my Lord. But it was very sweet. I still remember walking down 8th Avenue like the next day, I think. And an, an older queen walked by me. And you were coming gave, home. Yeah, and just gave me a look of like, <laughs> you just, you know, yeah, live your life, honey. The, the look on his face, yeah. I can't even put into words the look on his face, but it just,
3: it really lifted me up. Yeah even though you are no longer together and you both have very successful lives apart from each other, personal lives, you still have this beautiful creative relationship.
4: Yes, we're very proud of that, that that we're able to uh, to protect the franchise,
3: so (laughs) to speak. Protect the franchise, (laughs) yeah. I mean, was that always easy? Was it just natural that you would be able to just keep writing shows together? You know, we didn't have a choice
5: when when we started creating our separate lives. We were working on Marty Short's show. Uh Uh-huh. We simply had to keep writing and working.
4: And then also uh, catch me if you can was in the step in the, uh, yeah, in and the then in smash. the know, we were all these things. It was no
5: choice. And so basically and it, yeah. we get to spend every day together and then go off to separate. And we actually, when we met and before we became romantic partners, we, we were writing creative together. partners. Yes. So it just was a nice, it was a full circle moment as Oprah
3: would say. <laughs> it's just, it's just a period within your, within yes. your long relationship. How long have you been working together? Um, since 1976, yes, I can't I also do say, that
4: much I, math. I, I came to 47 UR, years. I came to New I met him the, uh, the year of, uh, son of Sam, uh, <laughs> the tall ships and, and legionnaires disease. And then, yeah. <laughs> 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 I love that.
3: It's still just like a natural, easy. I yeah. Mean, it's you, actually, you guys I, we enjoy
4: great... it. We can spend the day together and then go off and we, yeah. you know, it yeah. maybe
5: it's even better. I mean in you some aspects yeah. Yeah because you can you can walk I could shut the door in the studio and that's that. For but the time. cliche is true that we truly can finish each other's sentences. As, as far you've as noticed. When we're writing lyrics <laughs> we just think alike and yet also think differently enough so that we're not just like preaching to the choir when we have lyrics and sometimes we do have not arguments but we do go back and forth about I don't know if we would say it that way or should we say it this way? Our biggest one is always, Scott just wants to use words that no one has ever heard of. So, uh, uh, and sometimes it's cool, but sometimes it's like, well, I want the audience to understand what, what they're <laughs> And I say, well, they can Google it. <laughs> yeah,
4: well,
3: well, we don't want them Googling it during the show. So that's really the only moment where we're like, you think of an example of like a great word you would love to use that we just? There was a
4: lot of them in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory because <laughs> I felt that vocabulary was so. <laughs> you or were just jumping off into <laughs> that world, yeah.
5: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't
4: think of any right now. Uh, Leger de Main. That was a big yeah. one. Things like that. They're just little things that I thought, oh, that's a Willy-ism and then, you know, yeah. we would argue for
3: days about that. Working on this show specifically was really special because of the timing that I know you worked on it over COVID, you worked on it before COVID, you worked on it through COVID, and then it got to be one of these, uh, you know, really joyful explosions that audiences, a lot of audiences who go see the show, they really say like, oh man, I really just needed to see a show yeah. like that. So it's kind of exciting. It feels like it, it feels more emotional on that level. Is it still exciting for you guys to get to, I mean, and you're at the Schubert Theater, which is yeah, the crown jewel of Broadway. Yeah, I mean, I have to give,
4: uh, give Casey Nicola all that credit. Because that that was a new uh, partnership for us. And we had done one episode. He had directed an episode of Smash that we wrote mm-hmm. a lot. We had a lot of songs in that. But he he um, from the beginning, you know, he, he's a, a great audience. And so uh, he was uh, whenever he wanted it. He said, you know what? Can you go back and think of that? It was always better than what we had handed in on the uh-huh. first take. And also, he that show moves like a, a, a train, literally. And so it's um, that's all Casey. All those transitions, everything is, mm-hmm. is such a. It's all Casey.
5: And of course, it hurts us as songwriters that even though the dance, the brilliant dance arrangement by Glenn, Glenn Kelly, Kelly right? that is the chase scene uh-huh. at the end of Act Two. It's all made up of our melodies and you know of our songs. But that dance that Casey has created, that that gets such prolonged applause that literally the actors finally have to just break (laughs) their frozen, or else the audience would just
3: keep going. And then a great laugh right after, too. Yes. So I have to ask you the most important question of all. What is Mariah Carey like? She's Mariah a... Carey's on your producing team now. She came yes. to the show. And she couldn't
4: have been more generous. I mean, the idea she came out on stage at the end. I know. We tried it was trying to keep it heaven. a secret from the cast, but her entourage was bigger than the entire orchestra section. The cast <laughs>
5: brains and exploded. hearts exploded. It was fantastic. Because we
4: just sort of wandered on on stage at the curtain call and some of them didn't know at all. What was Christian looked at me like, what the did Somebody die. I mean, he literally looked like something awful had happened. I said, "No, is someone backstage." It's coming go?
5: Um, I've worked with her over the last ten years, so yeah. I wish I could read you our text messages <laughs> to really let you know what Mariah Carey is like, which is really funny, and in her way, I was—I was going was to say down to earth. I wouldn't call her down to earth in any way, shape, or form, but more, you know, just goofy than you Goofy,
4: might uh-huh. expect. But so generous, I mean, she tweeted twice about, I mean, she has like about 70 million followers, but she literally tweets, this show means so much to me what the message of it is and you yeah. have to, I mean, it was so generous of yeah. her and so kind.
3: And she's a big Maryland fan, so it's the yeah, perfect person right. that she understands both. One
4: person had a job that, uh, around her that I said, oh boy, I wish that's a good job. She followed her around with, with a, uh, a lint brush a uh, lip gloss and a lollipop. <laughs> I said, "Boy, that's a career." Isn't it?
5: <laughs> lollipop Guild.
3: So, Mark, which emojis does she use in texts? Are there any favorite emojis that come you to You know,
5: me? what you'd expect: a lot of hearts, a lot of lipstick, a lot. You know, <laughs> maybe like the nail. She's just, just very aware. Of- who she is, and what she loves, and um, she's hysterical. No, she was great. She came, she came, when she
4: came out on stage, she said, oh my God, I love this lighting.
5: No,
3: <laughs> she said, when
5: I was watching during the show, I was like, I, well I'm hoping they'll have that lighting and not that lighting. I mean, she's just very aware. You know, she's just been in the business a very long time.
3: I love it. We love cheerleaders.
4: Unbeknownst probably to the audiences, she does the curtain put, to turn off your cell phones. That's her.
3: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so will she win a Tony if it wins the Tony? You it, better believe it. Get her a Tony Award.
4: <laughs> get Mariah that Poo-poo-poo. Tony. Didn't Jennifer get Jennifer Hudson got one right for *Straight yeah. up
0: yeah. that. And before we go, Mark Shaman sat down at the piano to play us the title track from *Some Like It Hot*. We'll leave you with that. Until next time, I'm Tamsin Fidel, and this is the Broadway Show Uncut.
5: The world is like a supper club. The Lord above the maitre d', He throws a menu down, lets you peruse, then asks you, what'll it be? The choices are many, so risk it, love, and have it your own way. Cause whatever butters your biscuit, love, is fine by me, which is why I say, Some like a cool pastoral scene with rolling hills in woods of green. It's heaven sent to pitch a tent to Bill and Coo. Some like a warm Hawaiian climb where one can really take one's time and hit the sack in a grass shack just made for two. Some like it nippy on the ice cause then the sheets are paradise. Keep rubbing hips until your lips stop turning blue some like it rough some like it tame give me a moth who loves the flame some like it hot and hot is what I got for you If everybody was the same, well life would be a bore. If Manny goes with Sammy Hill, that's what he's yearning for. Let different rhythms move your feet, cause I have often found we all dance to a different beat and that's what makes the world go round. To be where angels sure are not. Some like it hard and hot is what I got for you. Some like it hard and hot is what I got for you. Oh my God. I'm too
0: old.